And if you'd like to sit, Graham's now going to read for us. The reading is taken from Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, beginning at verse 21. It can be found on page 41 in the New Testament section of the Church Bibles. And in this reading, Jesus uses stories to explore the meaning of the kingdom of God before demonstrating his authority over nature through the calming of the storm. He said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under the bushel basket or under the bed and not on the lampstand? For there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. And let anyone with ears to hear, listen. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given you. For, though, for to those who have, more will be given. And from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. He also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow, and he does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. And when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, with what? Can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great gale arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? 
Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We pray. Oh, loving Lord, will you take my words and speak through them? Will you take our ears and hear through them? Will you take our hearts and just set them on fire with love for you? May we learn from you. May we be challenged and encouraged. Oh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm aiming this morning to um, uh, underline, as it were, the power and the presence of Jesus. I want to pick up on what is the second session of the Mark course, which some of us are, are, are following uh, um, the, these weeks. And uh, I want to um, emphasize uh, the authority of Jesus. And we see this, of course, mainly in the last seven verses, uh, which Graham has just read to us a few moments ago. But I don't want to miss out uh, on Jesus as the teacher uh, in the opening 14 verses. At the beginning of chapter 4, we read of that large crowd that had gathered. You see, they had come to be taught. And for, for there was something about the person of Jesus that was attractive and uh, something about his teaching that had authority. It bore that stamp of truth which was recognizable. And we pick up his teaching in verse 21 where he uses the picture of a lamp. I don't know if you took everything in. Uh, It's sometimes difficult when we we see the whole reading. But I'm just going to pick out a few points uh, in that uh, section. He uses the picture of a lamp, which is the spiritual light of the truths which he was imparting. And he challenges his listeners, and of course challenges us, as we hear this, whether we allow the truths to remain hidden. He talks about them being buried under a bushel basket. I wonder what that meant to you. Uh, the, the bushel basket represented business, busyness, so that we are so busy that it, it, we allow that to steal time that should be given to the Lord. You know, we, so the truths that we've received, we hide them, we keep them uh, because we're so busy uh, doing other things. Or the truths, he goes on to say, are hidden, buried under a bed. And the, the bed here suggests our laziness, our comfort. We're happy as we are, so therefore we don't do anything about it and we're lazy. And both of these, of course, our laziness and our comfort, are enemies of evangelism. So the question, really, for all of us is, what do we do with the truths that Jesus has given us? Are we, all of us, too busy with other things or too lazy and we fail to proclaim Christ? 
in verses 23 and 25, the seriousness of Jesus' words is underlined. You see, he's saying, when we hear some command from the Lord or from God's word, and we fail to obey it, we don't pass it on to others. What gives power and scope to making Jesus known is when people see in us the truths that have transformed and are reshaping our lives. And moreover, every time that we acquire fresh truth and we let it become real in our lives, we are sure to be given more truth. On the other hand, failure to respond to truth results in a loss of what we previously had. You see, Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is our teacher. But let's remember he's also Lord. And we cannot, we must not trifle with what he says. You see, to ignore him is costly, as we read there. And we miss out on so much. And we deprive others. You all know how Jesus taught using parables. In the first century, they were none of today's visual aids. And so Jesus used shepherds and sheep, uh, sowers and seeds, fishermen and boats. They were all vivid pictures uh, that were grippingly relevant to the crowds. And in today's reading, there were two parables the one about the the growing seed and the other about the mustard seed in the growth of God's kingdom. And both those give us pictures of encouragement with a responsibility to sow the seed. Yes, we we scatter the seed and we're reminded there uh, using whatever strength and skill that we have. We, uh, We go on to sleep by night and we rise again the next day while mysteriously, imperceptibly, invincibly, the seed begins to grow. We have planted and may be watered, but it's God who gives the increase and produces the harvest. And to emphasize what he's just said, Jesus continues with the picture of the mustard seed drawing attention to the contrast in size between the original seed, from which at face value uh, little would be expected, and the eventual shrub mentioned here, or even a tree in which the birds uh, nest, where the birds, which the birds are glad to use. Yes, you see, however small the beginning, the potential for God's kingdom is far greater than we initially imagine. But I wonder how much seed sowing each one of us is getting on with. How are you getting on with seed sowing? You know, we all of us meet up with friends, with neighbors, with colleagues, casual acquaintances, whoever. I don't know if you're like me, but so often in conversation, um, people may mention a, a problem to me. They may mention an illness of somebody, of themselves, or somebody they know. 
They may talk about a particular anxiety, whatever. Have you ever thought about offering to pray there and then with them, whether you're on the street corner or in the supermarket, no matter where you are? You know, in so doing, you're sowing some seed. Maybe during a, maybe on a phone call, somebody phones and they share something with you. Why not offer to pray for them there and then? I've got a friend of mine who phones from time to time, and quite often in the course of conversation, something will come up, and he'll say, "Come on, Brian, let's pray now." He's sowing seed, sowing seed. Wherever we are, we have these opportunities. Why not? You can do something about it. Are you challenged? Not long ago, I, um, that particular morning, Hazel and I were praying that the Lord would use us in whatever way he chose during the day. We found ourselves in the, the supermarket in Waitrose and somebody came up to us and talked to us and shared some, an enormous problem in the, their life. And um, I, I said, there and then, come on, we're going to pray. And we prayed in the middle of the supermarket. And I'm not going to go on beyond, simply to tell you, we sowed such a seed that morning that in many ways, the, the outcome of it, not only has God blessed that prayer, but he's worked great things in the lives of that lady and also her husband. I wonder if you ever tell anyone about God at work in your life. You know, our witness in this area is such an opportunity to sow seed. At the 10 o'clock service here, occasionally, in one of the chapels where I'm invited to speak, there is each Sunday an open mic for anyone among the worshippers to share a testimony. You see, that too is a seed-sowing time. Let's all seize those precious moments, not just in a service, but whenever or wherever we are to tell others about our God. You know, we all have a story to tell about our journey with the Lord. And the most recent accounts always grip the listener's attention and, and encourage them. Something that's happened recently where God has been at work, where we've been conscious of his particular activity in our lives. Let's share that with others. That is seed sowing. You know, the queen, in so many of her broadcasts over the years, made a point of referring to our God and to her journey of faith. And in so doing, she sowed a kingdom seed. Come on, but now on to the, the power and presence of Jesus, which I mentioned earlier. I spoke some few weeks ago uh, about the storm on the lake, focusing on God's authority, and I don't propose to go over old ground. Suffice it to say uh, that we must never be amazed at the power of Jesus. You know, he is Lord of all. 
He is Lord of all. And at his command, he exercises his lordship over demons, over illness, over death itself. And here this morning in that account on Lake Galilee, he exercises his lordship over the forces of nature. You know, those disciples knew Jesus. They'd given up their work. They'd given up their career to be with him day after day. And they rightly appealed to him in their moment of need. They knew that he had the power to deal with the situation. <laughs> Nevertheless, they were stunned when he exercised control over the elements. And then comes what seems that fairly sharp exchange between the disciples and Jesus over the issue of faith. Now they were fishermen who knew Lake Galilee, they knew Lake Galilee well, and they recognized the danger of such a storm. And it's very easy, isn't it, to accept their need to panic. Yeah, there was Jesus, sound asleep on a cushion at the back of the boat, revealing his full humanity. Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? I wonder if they were reproaching Jesus for neglecting their safety by sleeping during such a dangerous storm. But then he rebuked the wind and the waves with divine authority and he restored immediate and complete calm. And he, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? You know, and in that, in that, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? In that we have the crux, the central point, the very heart of discipleship. You see, they needed him to do things. He wanted them to trust him. They needed him to do things. He wanted them to trust him. And I wonder to what extent that we're like those disciples. Do we easily forget that for Jesus nothing's impossible? Do we still need him to do things in order for our trust and faith to be sustained or boosted? Those disciples had to learn that Jesus' very presence amongst them was all that they needed to survive whatever their circumstances and how we must live each day in the knowledge and confidence that Jesus is with us whether life's seas are calm or rough. You know, those who promote and promise a life for believers of continual success, excitement and growth invariably lead them to frustration and despair, having pointed them towards the wrong goal in their Christian pilgrimage. What really matters is that Jesus goes with us on our journey. He's promised never to leave us or to desert us. And we don't judge his care 
and love for us by the roughness of the seas over which we sail. St. Paul experienced rough seas literally and metaphorically and still wrote, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. David had several rough journeys in his life and he wrote, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. You see, the presence of the Lord was a reality in the lives of both of them. My great aunt, widowed and elderly, lived on her own during the German occupation and experienced burglaries and night attacks on her house from prisoners of war. She lived in total peace, repeatedly uh, saying, what need I fear when God is near? She had a very strong Jersey accent and I can still hear her saying, what need I fear when God is near? She knew the reality of resting in the presence and promises of her Lord and Savior. You know, may the presence of Jesus be a reality for each one of us and encourage us all day by day, and especially when life storms come our way, just knowing that the boat doesn't sink when Jesus is in it. I'll come on to pray. Oh Lord, our teacher, do continue to teach us and to guide us along that route that you've planned for us. Ever aware of the part that we have to sow kingdom seeds. May we all rest and live in the confident knowledge of your presence with us 24-7 and of your power and authority over all of your creation. Oh, we rejoice in you and we extol you, Lord of all.